Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the mailbag edition of the BallQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. And they're on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Glad to have you along with us. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. Guys, let's just jump right into the questions. We got plenty of them in this mailbag edition. Uh, first one is from Ball since 1996. Do you question the effort of this team that this team has given for the last six quarters? Seems like we were a better unit as an offensive line last year compared to this year. Would you guys agree with that? I just can't figure out with all the meat we have on the line why we can't impose our will and run it like the drive we had against Kentucky before the half ended. Well, I, you know, I, I do think they've been a bit banged up. Now, is that an excuse? No, but at the same time, I think that's something you at least have to acknowledge. You know, I mean, Jerome Carvin, the, your, the guy, the guy you started the year with at right guard, has been out with turf toe. Um, you know, they've had to bounce Kate around, and uh, you know, you've not got great play out of your tackles. So, you know, I mean, I guess in theory, you know, they are they have been a little bit, you know, went the other direction than they have as far as you know, from a year ago. Well, I, thought yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought they were really good in the second half against South Carolina and against Missouri. I think I think Kay hit the nail on the head, Rob. They've just been inconsistent. Yeah, I agree. I and mean, I'll go to the effort question. I don't question the effort at Georgia. I think they just got overwhelmed in the second half. But I, I thought the second half at Kentucky, yeah, I think you, I think it's very fair to question the, the, the effort that you saw there. Yeah, and I think you can – I think you question that with the entire team, not just the offensive line there. Um, with, with the sacks, I, I do think that there's been times they've just been overwhelmed and, and just been beaten. Darnell Wright was beaten clearly on one sack in the Kentucky game. I think there's been times that they've given up sacks because their run, running back protection and tight end protection hasn't been good enough. And there's probably been a couple of sacks where the quarterbacks held, held the football too long as well. So I think that's all there. I, I thought they could have run it more in the Kentucky game. Um, you know, and, and impose their will. But uh, my thing I don't understand as we get ready to move on to the next question here is I, I don't understand how you drive the length of the field at, against Kentucky, imposing your will. You run it seven or eight times. You got a rhythm going. And then the next time you get to football, it's not the same offensive line that you have on the field. I've, the I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I, I don't I don't get that at all. Me neither. Um, I would this week, I would take Spragans and start him at right guard. And then I would play Kate at one of the tackle spots. If Wanye's not healthy and can't go and is not in a mental place to play very well, then I put Kate at left tackle and Darnell at right, or I play Kate at right tackle and Wanye Morris at left tackle. Whichever your two, whichever the other best option is at tackle to go with Cade, I'd play Kate at tackle this week, and then I would play Spragans at right guard if Carvin can't go. I agree. You know, I mean, I. I think Carvin's close, but I think it, it really behooves, you know, this staff to let him rest and get ready for Arkansas, get ready for those last five. Um, same thing with a guy like Jameer Johnson. I think Jameer Johnson is getting better, probably could play if they had to have him on Saturday, but I don't think that he will play. I think the staff would really like to get him back for Arkansas. Um, I don't think Riley Locklear is going to play the rest of this year. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, kind of been, you know, banged up with a labrum and a, and a, and a foot. And so I, I think that, you know, they may end up shutting him down, um, you know, in the next week or two. And then, you know, you know, I, so I, I do think that there's, you know, 
those combinations you're speaking of are the ones that make the most sense. And, and look, and if you had any other issues, I'd put K. Ron Calvert on the field and see what happens. He's played in the SEC before. I don't know why he hadn't played the first couple of weeks. He played a little bit, just, just a couple of snaps in the Kentucky game. But put him back out there. That's a guy who has shown he's physical enough to play in the Southeastern Conference at times. Has he been as consistent as he needs to be? I'm sure he's not. But from a physical standpoint, he's shown he can play. All right, let's go to I Heart Balls. Is Banks a difference maker at linebacker? If not, then why not move him back to running back since Jeremy allegedly wants a bigger back? Also, CBS's announcer stated that JG was tipping the step count against Georgia with his hands. If true, how did someone on our staff not catch that? Rob, did they say something on the broadcast about him tipping his hands? Tipping his I, I mean, I honestly don't remember that. Yeah, I, I didn't talk about. I didn't. It. I didn't hear that. In I didn't hear that on a rematch. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I do not recall seeing that. And I don't think Banks is a difference maker at linebacker, but I don't think that would have depth to move him. Do you guys? No, not if he's healthy. I mean, he's a starting inside linebacker. I mean, I think he's a good player, but you know, is he a difference maker? I don't. He he is for this team, I would guess, since they have three guys in the playbook. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't think you move Banks personally. Um, first of all, he's got to get healthy. I'm not sure he's going to be healthy enough to play. I know he's done more this week, but I'm not sure he's going to be ready to go th- this week. He may get shut down. I think the the bigger back question is two weeks from now. Where's D Beckwith? Is that a possibility of being that guy there? Where are they going to play D-back with? I think athletically they believe he can play and help them when he's healthy. The question is, where is that going to be? We'll see. Um, he's not ready this week, but we'll see maybe in a couple of weeks where he might be able to help this team. And could he be a bigger back for them uh, in the offensive backfield? All right, next question. All the differences between Pruitt and Brumball, how do these not come up in interviews, background checks, talking to coaches he's worked with before, et cetera, et cetera? He had to uh, – to talk to a coach he worked with, you had to walk down the hall, Austin, and talk to, to, to Derek Hansley. So, yeah. I mean, Tennessee should have known exactly what they were getting with Jimmy Brumball. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess so. I mean, I, you know, I, I, but how coaches coach now versus how they coach five years ago can That's change. Fair, fair you know, point. but, but, you know, the point is, is Coach Pruitt would have seen this a lot more firsthand in the spring, but they didn't have spring ball. And, 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 then it kind of got into fall camp. And I think that, you know, there were multiple conversations that were had of, you know, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is, you know, you know not what you're doing, but I, you know, I wish we could change and things just never got any better. And, you know, there's, you know, philosophical differences. It's, it's again, as we talked about the other night, it's more than just, you know, how they, how we went about practice, you know, I mean, like coach Pruitt is very much one that, you know, I know he got rid of or didn't renew Coach Rocker, but you know you can always, you know you you can always count on Rocker just totally, you know, going in on a kid dry, um, you know, out there on the practice field. And I'm not sure Jimmy Brownball ever did that at all. And then, like I said, he had issues with the recruiting trail and other stuff. Well, the th- but the thing and, and the, the point the guy makes, I think, is a fair point, Rob. I mean. Even if you'd had him in spring practice and he'd been out there and you worked him for 15 days and you go, hey, this is not a good fit, it's going to cost you money to get rid of him. So why didn't you figure those things out and, and see, you know, see what his, if his coaching style and your conversations with him and in talking to people met what you were looking for so you wouldn't put yourself in a situation where it, it was an $850,000 mistake? Yeah, I mean, don't you think – I mean, he just trusted Ansley – on this one 
I mean, just leaned on him and was disappointed yeah. with, with I, what he got. I, that, that's that's kind of the vibe I feel. Now I, I don't know that, but I, I would I would tend to agree with you that way. I, because I think, I think he's got a lot of respect for Derek. Yeah, and so I, I think instead, and Austin makes I think you make a great point. How you coach five years ago compared to how you coach now can be can very much be different. I don't think there's yeah, you evolved. As a, I mean, look at Rick Barnes. Like, sure. I mean, he, he's self-proclaimed the guy that used to run so hot when he was younger, and now is much more laid back. Yeah. But I do think instead of calling around and asking a bunch of people opinions, I think he went down the hall and talked to Derek Ansley, who had worked with him extensively. And that would be the opinion you would value the most because he was coming to work on that staff with him and Derek had worked with him multiple years. All right. To Vols uh, 102.4, you surprised at Cheney's lack of run game creativity with an offensive line like ours, you would think you would maximize it. Uh, by limiting the quarterback some, but we've not seen any Wildcat, no direct snaps, no Jimmy Holiday package, no crouch short yardage. Seems like Grand from UK has mastered how to run the ball with a bad quarterback. Well, he's run the ball with a running back playing quarterback. Now, Terry Wilson's a little better. You know, he throws the ball better than they did a year ago, but he, you know, they found a way to run the football out of the quarterback position, which I think has their, been their priority. Now, they're trying to grow a little bit with Wilson, but I think that's been a priority for them is to be able to run the ball from the quarterback spot, which is not what Tennessee's priority is. My thing on this one, and I'll let you guys comment on this, from a creativity standpoint, I'm surprised that they pulled tackles, you know, in the Missouri game, and they did some different things in the Missouri game with some wrinkles, second half against South Carolina, but we haven't seen those wrinkles the last couple of weeks. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at with the creativity much more than – personnel creativity you know um i'm surprised you haven't seen some schematic creativity in the run game yeah i agree and also i mean i'm just surprised it's not been more of an emphasis when you look at what you have in, in eric gray and, and chandler as opposed to what you have at whiteout i just i mean and an offensive line that we think is pretty good i mean it certainly hasn't looked like it you know at, at times but to me, I mean, your, your most proven performers are at tailback. I mean, Josh Palmer's done some nice things, but, you know, Eric Gray, I, I think he's the best playmaker, most consistent guy on offense. I'm, surprised, also, they not, I'm surprised they've not lined Gray up, Rob, and used him the way they used Bayless Jones for those little pop passes because it just seems like that would fit right into his kind of wheelhouse. And I also think not having Austin Pope really hurts him. Yeah, I think it, hurt, I think it hurts him in the run game. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they need more wrinkles. I mean, and they're, they're going to have to find some wrinkles down the, the stretch of the season. As for the short yardage stuff, they've been a good short yardage team. So I don't know that you need crouch in there for your short yardage stuff because they've converted fourth downs. They've been pretty good on third and two, third and one. I don't think that's been a huge issue as it was a year ago where they couldn't convert those, those downs. They've been able to, to move the sticks pretty good in short yardage situations this year compared to previous years. Um, all right, Vol Rocker wants to know, knowing Friend and Pruitt are extremely close, do you think Pruitt would ever make a change there? I'll say this. When you take that position as the head coach and you hire friends, you know, people you're close to, you have to do it with the understanding that someday you might have to make a change. If you're going to be successful in, in, in a leadership position, you have, to understand, you have to understand that that's always a possibility. But does, I mean, am, I, am I saying he would or he wouldn't? I don't know. What I'm saying is when you take that job and you hire your buddies, okay, 
you have to understand that sometimes you might have to make a move and 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 just and, and let a guy go. I, I do think he would. Now, do I think he would two years ago? I don't think he would then. Do I what I think he would now? I think potentially to what depending on how the rest of the season plays out. I, I you have to remember now, this is a guy that demoted a good friend in Kevin Sherrer after the first year. You know, and, and, you know, are those two as close as, as he and Will? No, but they were still pretty close. And, you know, had, had grown up through the ranks, but coaching high school ball at Alabama, and then coaching at Alabama and then coaching at Georgia. And he demoted him. And then I'm not sure he would have been back had he not got a job with the New York Giants anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's off the table that Coach Pruitt wouldn't move on from Coach Friend if uh, the situation presented itself. And, you know, remember who he's – you know, his, his biggest mentor, Nick Saban is, I mean, who he's learned the most from and, you know, gives all kinds of credit to, you know, he, that guy would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, no question. All right. Pine Mountain Vol wants to know, Austin seemed like Swain caught you off guard this week when he asked you about the possibility of Ty Simpson reclassifying. Could you elaborate a little more on if that pot, if that's a possibility uh, now that you've had a chance to think about it and then, Rob, for you, we see reclassifying a lot more in basketball. Do you think it would work in football? Austin, we'll start with you on the Ty Simpson reclassification. Well, you've seen the quarterbacks do that. I mean, JT Daniels did it. You know, uh, do I think that it's went through the minds of people on campus and or the Ty Simpson family? Sure, I do. Um, do I think it would happen? No, I don't think Jason – I don't think Jason wants to set Ty up to, you know, to – to take a hit early in his college career. Um, you know, that's the best thing going for Ty is his dad's a college coach. He understands uh, a lot of the, uh, the potential roadblocks that could happen as a, as a football player. So uh, I don't think that would happen. Would I 100% rule it out? No, but I, I just think that's probably far-fetched. Rob, why do you think the basketball reclassification has become such a thing? Is it just well, to, I mean, get to get, it... get to a pro contract quicker? I, that's that's definitely part of it for the you know the the big timers. But I mean, in a, I don't I don't know what the percentage is, but in so many of those cases, it's guys getting back into the class they should have been in to begin with because of their age. Oh, okay. I, mean, you don't see, I mean, not every that's not every case, but but that 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 is quite a few of them. And I just think the physicality, the development that takes place from being a seventeen year old to an eighteen year old. I mean, I, I think that's a roadblock in football. Yeah, but certainly at a lot of positions. Quarterback, we have seen some of that, you know, but for linemen, you know, linebackers, there's a big difference in your body um, that, that last year of high school development for sure. Uh, Smokey Govals, McDonald and Eason have been mentioned in recent weeks regarding development and buzz. Um, how is French coming along? AP, you want to take that one? He's doing okay. I mean, I, I don't, you know, outside of maybe potentially helping on special teams, I don't see him contributing a whole lot this year. Eason, I think you'll see him play more. And I'm going to go ahead and call my shot right now. I think Tamarion McDonald, he played a little bit at the end of the last game. I think he plays a lot more this week. More. What's not, the deal with his – Not just special teams, right? Correct. How, how do you go from being a guy that, you know, was maybe going to blue shirt because of offseason – I mean, is he just that far ahead in his rehab? Yeah. What do you think? All the way back, baby. That's crazy because that I mean the, the thought was that it was going to be mid to late November before he would be even the, remotely close to doing anything. The, the the days of you know kids missing a whole season with a you know with a hangnail are gone. They're back. 
he had more than a hangnail guy had reconstructive shoulder or some kind of show. Maybe the shoulder wasn't as bad. Once I they just got know a few years ago, a kid had a concussion and he stayed in a dark room for six weeks. But sometimes that happens around the place, sometimes. Uh, around the country. All right. 10 Ken, 1985. If you're named head coach tomorrow, what's your first two moves? All right. I, I, I'm going to talk and I'm going to talk in hypotheticals here. Cause I, I mean, I know what he, I know what he's asking, and what he's asking is who who would who who should be fired. Be careful, okay. Hubs, because this will end up on Twitter in a heartbeat. Oh, I know, but I'm going to say if I were named a head coach at a college somewhere, okay, the first thing I would do is I would take less money in my first deal, okay, and take more money, have more money in my staff, and then my whole thing would be on getting my top two court, my top priority that coordinator, whoever they might be. If it meant I took less money on the to, to get those guys, whatever it took to get my two coordinators that I 100% believed in, that I had researched, that I knew, that I trusted, all those things, so Sam that Pittman. would be my first two moves. I think so Sam, Sam Pittman. Pittman I think Sam Pittman's done it right. Now, long term, will it work at Arkansas? Can they recruit enough? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I do like what Sam Pittman has done with his two coordinators. I, I totally do. He got, he got he got he got fortunate that, that Missouri moved on from Barry Odom. Yep, and he, and he fell into that one, and then he hired a young, innovative mind in Kendall Bryles. And I don't know how long he can hold on to Barry Odom. Barry Odom may get another head job somewhere, or Kendall Bryles is bound to move up. Right, but I, I think that's the thing that you have to do is you have to get you have to get those two hires right, okay, and then your next move would be find a quarterback, because I think those three components are what determines how quick you rise and, and how quick your program takes off. At least that's my opinion. Rob, go ahead and give us your two. My first one would be to move to a bigger house <laughs> with the salary. And I mean, I, I agree with everybody. I mean, I, Tennessee specific is, is what I, I guess he's asking. I mean, I don't want to get into, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't know enough to, to say that anybody in this staff needs to be relieved at all but I would I mean as I talked earlier I would given what you have at quarterback and given what you have at receiver and what you had an offensive line I would run the run game would have been a huge emphasis for me and I, I think I just think Cheney you know and we've seen it before just is in love with, with throwing the ball down the field all right Steven VFL I know it's way too early to say but hey just for fun is next year starting quarterback on the roster or is it more likely to be Salter or a transfer I don't know. Harrison Bailey's played four snaps. And and four snaps. Pointed out, as pointed out by Gustavo in the Zoom call, he's completed 25% of his passes. Yes, and four snaps. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have any idea what Harrison Bailey's going to look like a year from now, six months from now. I don't know what he's going to look like a month from now in terms of his development. So I'm, I'm, I'm throw out that he's on the roster. I don't think they start a true freshman. Think it's, well, I'll say this with, with the potential one-time transfer thing yeah. coming, that 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 that's where I think it gets it get the the waters get muddied a little bit. And and Brent, you were on ball calls when asked about the potential of Harrison Bailey, Bailey starting this week. What Jeremy say? He said he don't think it's fair to put those kind of expectations on a kid, and then went back to Mac Wilson, who was you know not ready as a freshman when he was the scout team quarterback at Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And again. Next year, I have no idea what any of these – I don't know who's here. I don't know what these guys look like a year from now. So, um, I don't have much answer for your hypothetical, let's just for fun question, way too early question. 
All right, LF ball right before the half, first and goal. Georgia targeted true freshman three straight times for the score. We pitched playing a freshman. Why can't we get freshmen on the field at wide receivers since the vets lack speed and aren't getting separation against solid DBs? Same for the DB Slaughter and Keyshawn Lawrence. Is this the head coach or position coach's decision on those guys? It's the same reason that Mark Levine started over Jamal Lewis. Uh, you know, it's all about knowing your assignment and, and you know, feeling like the coaches can trust you. Um, I do think that you're bound to see more young kids, though. You know, I, I think that's been, you know, something that's been discussed this week of, you know, play the most talented guys in certain positions, not all across the board, but play the most talented guys because, you know, yeah, they may they may bust and give up a play, but they're going to make some plays, too. I'd like to hear Hubbard talk a little more about the wide receivers. I think, I, I think I've made my I think I've made my feelings known on that one pretty good. <laughs> and, and if you if you're not sure, watch the Rocky Top Roundtable a little bit later on this afternoon. I make my feelings known on it again as well. Um, I, yeah, play them. Uh, UT Vol twenty nine. How many recruits currently committed are asked to look elsewhere, and who are some of the more unknown recruits we're involved with that may be underrated? McGee keeps getting. I mean, underrated AP, he keeps getting interest from everybody else, right? That's committed. We, we have him underrated. Others don't. Right. Uh, they have him rated higher. Um, what was the first question? Who's going to get processed? How many recruits currently committed or asked? Uh, to look you know, I mean, look, I've always said when, when asked about these type of things, I, I never like to say kids will get processed because I don't think that that's fair to the kid on the front end because sometimes you it, there's a kids that you know maybe you, you know think or or even you've you know heard is likely to get processed and then things change you know so it doesn't behoove us to say that I think that's unfair to those kids um, but the general's quarters is full of intelligent people that follow recruiting that can probably pinpoint it out I mean, like I mean, this, I mean, it's definitely going to be two or three, I would say, minimum. Well, yeah, you're, there's bound to be a couple of guys that don't end up in this class. That's 100% correct. And here's the thing, too. What does this class look like if Tennessee doesn't get things turned around? That's right. I mean, Terrence running. Lewis, even on you know? even on Wednesday, is tweeting all orange emojis. But if the Vols don't pick it up and they continue to lose, how much does that affect him? Yeah, I just think that's – I mean, you just never know what that's going to look like down the stretch here. All right, Charlie Work wants to know, given the lack of talent at the quarterback position, do you think Pruitt will finally be able to recruit a top transfer quarterback this offseason? We just mentioned uh, about transfers. Look, if the one-time transfer waiver goes through, the transfer market's going to be wide open at all positions, including quarterbacks. Everybody's going to be in the market for everybody. Everybody's going to spend time recruiting other people's players. That's why some people don't <laughs> like the one-time transfer rule, but it's going to come. That's why coaches are going to hold scholarships and not sign 25 guys in those preparations and, and anticipation of that happening. All right, Volunteered 87 is back with another question. Here we go, AP. This has got you written all over it here. I realize this is likely nothing more than a shot in the dark, but coming out of last weekend, AP, you've got to pick one. Or you can say no thanks. Ty Simpson sees the situation as a program with all or at least most of the pieces except him. Once he gets to Knoxville, they're competing for conference championships. Ty Simpson sees the situation as a program that's not likely going to compete for conference championships with the current roster and staff. And as a bonus question, he wants to know best golfer out of all the UT coaches since you've been covering the balls. Only restriction is you cannot say a golf coach. Um, 
to answer your question, uh, I think that Ty sees Tennessee with a lot of key pieces, um, you know, um, on the current roster. So I think option A, that I'm okay. correct. Uh, as far as, as far as, uh, well, you know, Coach Fulmer liked to play golf and still likes to play golf. He's not very good at golf. Um, bird. Know, Lane, he's, not a burn. I mean, I'm not even good at golf anymore. I don't play enough. Um, and then uh, I'm always working for hubs. Um, the uh, so your golf snob and will only play at elite golf courses is the only reason why. But go ahead, we're running that. out of time. Amen to that. <laughs> um, uh, Lane didn't play. Butch, I, I saw Butch pick up a club one time, and oh man, I can't even describe it. Um, I never got to play with Dooley. Um, and then uh, Jeremy Jeremy has potential if he played more. Jay Graham also not a good golfer. What about Chief? Chief, Chief, uh, uh, having played with Chief, I watched Chief put one in the middle of seventy five down at uh, down at uh, um, Avalon on hole seven, par five. He went down and dropped it, which again he should have reteed because uh, it was out of bounds. Uh, he dropped it where it went in, <laughs> knocked the three wood to like four feet, tapped it in, and goes eagle. <laughs> hey, I just say, hey, with that said, he knocked the three wood from two hundred something yards to four feet and made the putt. So you know, I just want to throw in on the Ty Simpson thing as being a member of that of that twenty two class, that loaded in state class. I think that could be a factor as well because he knows you know he knows the talent that's there and would be coming in with him if Tennessee can keep you know put a fence around the state. Yes. All right. Huck Hand, we got a couple more we're going to get to right quick here. When the season started, we thought we'd close the gap against the SEC big boys. Uh, we even thought after that, we even thought that after two games. How did everything go so wrong so fast? Awful quarterback play, bad O line play, terrible secondary play. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we have talent. It just does not make sense. Do you have a culture problem? I think you have a turnover problem. And I think the turnovers have, I mean, when you turn it over seven times in four quarters, you're not going to beat over the span of two games, you're not going to beat people. And um, I think I think it's a pretty simple correlation. I'm not saying they would have beaten Georgia had they not turned the football over, but that would have been an interesting game in the fourth quarter if they don't turn it over three times in the third quarter. And the Kentucky game, I mean, Coach Pruitt's right. They gave up 17 points in the first half on two first downs. You know, it's about playing four quarters too, Brent. At the end of the uh, – you yes. know, when you look up and with a minute to go in the third and it's 23-21 in Athens, a year ago they're, you know – half a football away from having it a one score game in Tuscaloosa in the fourth quarter. And both times, you know, things go awry. They don't finish and it ends up being a 22 or 24 point ball game. So quarterback, there you go. You said it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, I mean, as I said earlier, when somebody asked, what's the top two priorities, find your coordinators and find a quarterback. And find a quarterback that the kids believe in. Not that the not that they don't like JG. Okay, I think they to a man like JG the kid. But I'm not sure there's a lot of belief when he rolls out there that, okay, yeah, we're going right down the field. Yeah. All right. Uh, what can be the possible? What possibly can be the incentive to going back to number two this season at quarterback? It would seem at this point there's no downside to using the remaining six games this season to identify the best option for the quarterback among Bailey Strout. And Brian Maurer, the final record this season makes little difference. Even if Tennessee goes two and eight, Jeremy Pruitt will still be the coach next season. 
if he has any notion of being here long term, uh, it's far more. Is it not far more important to make sure you have your answer under center for 2021? I, I think playing Harrison Bailey and going two and eight, people, you, it's easy to say that now. Oh, let's play him. But then if they go two and eight and they play him, they're like, what the heck? Two and eight, he was five stars. And then, you know, you Fire can't them all. Up, you know. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with that. And here's the thing, too. People can people act like this year doesn't count. But it's it in recruiting. Well, it does count. class together. It counts in, in number of wins for your program. It counts in number of wins for your starting quarterback or your head coach. Or It counts. Counting coaches keeping jobs. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I'm gonna, we're going to sprint through a couple more right quick. Valken, who's responsible for the offensive line rotation? That's Will Friend. Um, that, that's, that's how that is handled there. Um, Seth Coleman wants to know, uh, weren't the worries about Middleton and Solomon opting out because of COVID? Was that the only reason or was there issues with Jimmy Brumball with those two guys? I don't think there was, I don't think Middleton was ever going to opt out. Solomon, I think gave it some serious consideration because of the COVID stuff. I don't think either one of them are going to walk away because of Jimmy Brumball, Austin. Correct. And Middleton missed time due to COVID. Right. Um, which is what got all the, the all the rumors, the grassy knoll rumors. Got it all started. All right. Will Pruitt's overall handling of the quarterback position determine his fate as coach here? When you consider everything from recruiting, the quarterback coach, lack of development, it hasn't been good so far. Winky can't be on staff next year. Bottom line, Bailey or Salter will have to work out or Pruitt will not survive. Agree. I, I'm not going to say I agree with that because I don't know what the transfer market looks like. Uh, what I will say is – they got to find a quarterback who can play, and they've got to find an offensive identity. They got to determine what they're going to be, and they're going to go with that. Okay, Salter's a different type player than they than than JG or or than Harrison Bailey. So at some point in time, you got to determine who you're going to be and what you're going to be. If you're going to be a play action pass Rob football team that that runs it aggressively, hard nosed between the tackles with a, with a big old physical offensive line, then you're going to need a bigger running back, right? And you're going to need some receivers who can take the top off of it vertically down the field and a quarterback who can throw it that way. If you're not going to be that, you're going to be zone read RPO type stuff, then you probably need a guy who can run around a little bit, you know? So I think it starts with determining what you're going to be offensively. Well, and I think too, go ahead, Rob. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's what Hubbard wrote after the game on Saturday against Kentucky. I mean, what what is your identity? And then, you know, get your personnel to fit it. And, and I'm not going to agree with him on Winky because he's got nothing at the quarterback position. I mean, like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, he's, you know, you know, Walsh, you know, but I also am not going to say that he's a, he's a, a, a trash coach either. I mean, I, I think at, at the end of the day, you know, he and Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt have yet to sign their own kind of agreed upon quarterback because Harrison Bailey was committed uh, to you know Jeremy, and and at that point, Winky was not the quarterbacks coach; he was the tight ends coach, and um, he committed to Jeremy seven days after Tyson Helton left for West Virginia, uh, Western Kentucky. And at that point, you know Helton had recruited Harrison for a year, and then you know obviously same thing with Mauer the year before that. So you know that that triumvirate, their first quarterback that they recruited together was Caden Salter. Yeah, I agree. I understand your point there. I will say this. You're getting paid money to develop who's on the roster. And, and, and what's on the roster isn't bad, hasn't gotten better, apparently, because we haven't seen Maurer. 
They don't have any confidence in JT Shroud. And Jerry Garantano has not played any better the last six quarters. Okay, I understand made that. the same mistakes. So, I, I, you know, I, I acknowledge what you're saying that that's not gotten their guy, but they got to, th- those guys have to get somewhat better and more functional, you know, than, than, than where they are at, at this point in time. Well, I mean, they right. screwed up. And I know we got a couple minutes left. Where they screwed up was the original class cutting Adrian Martinez or kind of not pursuing him like they should have and taking JT Shroud. Not that Martinez is some world beater, okay? Um, don't misunderstand. But would would he be better off? Would he be better on this current roster than JT Shroud? I say yes. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You know, and they haven't been able to get in the transfer market and get a guy that they all agree upon too, because you had a situation where okay, if you don't like what you have in your room and you knew that, go get a guy. And you didn't get anybody this summer to, to help you there as well when there were some guys out there available in the quarterback transfer market. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the BallQuest.com podcast. Hey, a reminder, don't forget about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. They're going to take care of you for any repair you need, any system upgrade you need. They're going to do the right repair the right way the first time. They got their warranty. They got financing, everything you need. Check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Book your appointment there or give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That's Blue Water Climate Control for Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great Thursday, everybody.